0: Hello and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate and inspire performers. To find out more visit www.equityfoundation.org.au How did you feel when that happened?
1: When you became successful? Shame. <laughs> uh, I wasn't, um, I'm not sure, that's a great question.
0: Thank you. It was given to me. They were
1: all given to me. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably um, I would imagine you could answer it better than me, only because. I, I, it went to
0: your head.
2: I,
1: uh, and Patrick probably answered it better than me too. So that's your goes, question, man. Yeah, oh, you awesome. awesome. So, yes. so you thanks deal. for the question. Um, I was part of offspring uh, in, in the very beginning, and so it's um, it's a show that blossomed, I believe, over years, and uh, and so um, having been involved in its inception um, left me kind of, uh, I guess, you know, I wasn't too, I didn't get swept in the wave that maybe the cast of the second season and oh. you know third and <laughs> fourth <season>.
0: oh, right. <laughs>
2: I uh,
1: could probably answer the question better. So, I mean, I, I definitely, there's no, no doubt that I, you know, um, uh, um, was able to, you know, it's great to find the dramatic purpose for taking a shirt off on TV, which is kind of <laughs> one, you of, the, do that, yeah, you one of the... Yeah, which is one of the, probably the, you know, the lesson I got out of it. I don't know. I, I, I think the show was uh, successful for a number of reasons. Uh, and I don't know how many of them.
0: What to do with you? Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't know. That <laughs> I, they... think that. I think. I think that's... there was lots going on on the show. Not There's true. a big, a big ensemble, and I think that um, when I get asked about my experience on it, I had so much fun doing it. Um, but it was um, a pretty short experience for me, that's all. Right.
0: Sure. Um, Patrick, what was it like coming into Offspring after After Dawn?
2: Well, <laughs> uh, uh Matt Lenebeza. I came in after Leno and I was like, why would I do that? There, there's just no reason. Why would I do that? Um, and so I, the first thing I did when they called and said, we're thinking about you for this is I called Matt and went, well, what are you up And he went, couldn't, couldn't like, I loved, it, I loved it, and there were a great bunch of people, blah, blah, blah. And then I talked to John and Gavin and some of the writers, and they were like, here's what we're thinking of you. And I went, oh, so I don't have to be the hot guy, I can be the funny guy who cares about me and crowd. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. But I can't be the guy who takes off his shirt and looks wistfully into the distance. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: which matters so well. I think we all doubt the accuracy that yeah. comment. I don't but know. But that's, that's so well, that's, 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 that was my feeling, it was my fear. So then I walked in, and, and I didn't know it would be as big, uh, uh, it would have as much of an impact on my career as it did, because I thought, it was the fifth season, I thought, oh, this, this, this thing marches along, and it does its thing very well, and it knows its audience, and it's- Very well. Very, it does very well, and I didn't know just how well, and it worked for me. It was a nice, it was a nice crossover for me, in terms of being um, getting comedy roles, and then being thought of not just as a, as a comedy guy. Sure. Yeah.
0: Did Matt Lanobers call you? and have the same experience, was he like, should I do that's this? That's a good friend,
1: but I, we never spoke about it, we, we um, um, look, it's a, you know, it's a fun show to work on, but I didn't, I didn't really, I can't really uh, speak to the experience of sort of how it, you know, it's. I think its success was something that I didn't really kind of, you know, I didn't have much to do, like, with that, because it sort of was subsequent years in that all that stuff happened and. and I actually really do think you'd be better at answering this just because you were with the show much longer so I, you know it's a good question for you so what happened? I just you?
0: saw a lot of men come and go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So That's what I did. You know
1: you know I finally you should bring it up just because um, just because uh, the character that I played on it it was kind of um, it was thin on the page it was thin on the page not, not, not in any like you know uh,
0: was entertaining. It was It was entertaining.
1: I don't know how realistic Maybe. things yeah. were. That's what, yeah. and, and there was a lot of devices we were playing with. You know, Tonally like, was all shifting around. And, but I could never work out why my character turned a hot nurse down. That was initially what happened, right? What, what,
0: yeah. It was just in a fantasy.
2: Why didn't we ever explore that, No, it wasn't fantasy. <laughs> that happened. That, oh, that happened. That happened. <laughs> that did happen. Are you talking yeah. about YouTube? Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about. Yeah, okay. So So my
0: character, right? He's
1: so he. Okay, so uh, add this up for me, right? Okay, so he's uh he he essentially kind of misdiagnosed or completely ignored his wife's postnatal depression. It's not a great look for a pediatrician. It's just not living with his mother-in-law, single dad living with his mother-in-law. Playing with these, like I had these animal stethoscopes because, you know, a pediatrician, I want to, you know, do stuff with kids. you
0: did, you yeah, had the frog and the pig. And That's the, what I miss
1: about the show. Yeah. That's actually what I miss about it. I had a little, a zebra, a little frog, a pig. You know, and then, and then this hot nurse, hot, like, you know, Jane, cracks on you. And you go, oh, I don't, I can't see it. I don't see it. And I tried word.
0: really hard. Like, I like, was taking herself. off through, through myself. Through myself. And you were just like, yuck, disgusting. Get out of this cupboard. And I was like, whoa, that's harsh. You could have just said no. And then you were like, I want Asher so much. And I was like, you don't need to say that in front of me. That's how the story went.
1: (laughs) So, as I said, entertaining. I don't know how realistic it is.
0: Here's a direct quote from Asher: Don is better than Patrick. (laughs) Disgust. (laughs) Oh, no, that's false. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. Agents. Um. Okay. I, because you know, who mm. else in the world do you give ten percent of your money to? Honestly, mm. it's ten percent of your money. Mm. Um. What is your relationship with your agent like, both of you? And how closely do you work with them and work out, you know, your career plans with them? <laughs>
2: Patrick. Okay. Who's in the audience? So we've got working actors, aspiring actors, a- actors all. Hands up for an actor. <laughs> okay, brilliant. And, and, and members of Equity? This is not a trick. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> to me. Um, okay, so some of you have agents, some of you don't. Uh, I think, let's just get a gauge of you know, who, who you guys are and <laughs> what sort of energy you're interested to about. Actually,
0: yeah, Agent what do you guys want out of this? Yeah. Um, we can
2: talk about anything. Well, let's just start with this one. Uh, without, I came out of drama school, I, I was at BCA, and I came out of there in the uh, uh, end of 2001, and I felt like I wanted the rapid rise to be, I wanted to be Kate Blanchett, essentially, as I think we all <laughs> do, out a drama school, like, can oh, I get that thing, uh, and it does not happen. Um, and and the, the atmosphere into which I graduated was it was kind of a desert in terms of content and people wanting to, you know, make shows and put me in. But but there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot in terms of Australian content. There wasn't heaps in 2002, 2003, 2004. Um, And so I thought of getting an agent to sort of, oh, I've got an agent, I've made it, they will take care of everything. And they don't. They don't take care of everything. And and, and more than that, I thought that agents were responsible for giving me guidance and direction and uh, how to be a better actor. None of that is true. Uh, But it only comes with experience. I was listening to this podcast the other day. And it was John C. Riley who was being interviewed, and he was talking about one of his first jobs, he was 22 or something, on a uh, film with Sean Penn. And he was talking about this, um, I don't know these people, I'm not talking about names. Um, and he was talking about, uh, he was talking to Sean Penn, he was going, you know, there's this uh, movie maybe I'm gonna do, I'm not sure, I've got an audition, but I'm, I'm asking my agent, what, seeing what my agent thinks of it. And Sean Penn said to him, um, uh, he said, my agent would be the last person I would talk to about the mm, mm. whether a job's good or whether I should do it or not. They're good for all sorts of things and very important to have, very important to have a good relationship with. But what they aren't, I mean, they need you more than you need them, I believe. Um, and that's not a uh, pejorative statement, that's, um, that's the truth. You're the one who's the creative one and the one who's trying to do that thing and, and it took me a while. Before I realised that I, I need to stop looking to my agent for direction, for guidance, and to run things for me, because it's not that. Uh, I have a really good relationship with my agent uh, now, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't always that way. It, it took a while for me to mature personally to a point where we could have a, a conversation as equal, rather than me the, the expecting them to tell me things that I should know. Yeah, great.
0: Don? When your agent, I don't know if your agent does this, but sometimes this happens, over the years this has happened with me, where you do a test, you put out a show, you do something, and then they give you feedback, creative feedback on your work. Oh. How do you feel about that in your on, on
1: something that's already out in the ether. Either that's
0: something, something you have out, no power over. It. <laughs> no power over, or, or an audition. Oh. Like, do you think uh, an agent should have any creative say over, over the things that you're giving?
1: It's interesting. Because um, what Patrick just said is, is um, I, I, I do think it's useful to make the discrepancy between an Aussie agent and an American one, just because that conversation he was talking about between John C. Rowling and Sean Penn is, is like a thousand percent accurate from my experience with them, with American agents. And I've had um, a couple, but um, my... Uh, I think I, was, I, I had an identical experience Patrick's with my Australian agents, and there's a number of them, and and um, and I um, landed on my feet with the last one because she was interested in a conversation and a dialogue that I found uh, held creative substance, and that they are out there. I don't I don't think that, that the description of them as like expensive answering <coughs> machines is is that is, that, is it all that it is, and they, they probably would want conversation about uh, career trajectory and that sort of thing if you entertained it, you know, it's it's um, a lot of uh, my understanding about what it's like to be an agent is that it's like <clears throat> probably one of the most tankless jobs you could ever find yourself in um, you're on the phone all day and uh, you know, you, you, you go out to um, a graduation show or a piece of theatre and come back and kind of you know calculate like what where to spend your energy and who you know is going to kind of uh bring bring you the like a paycheck to kind of pay the rent like they're in a pretty tough situation so i like i've, I've sympathy for them but what I, what I think the point that patrick wanted to make was that it, it um you're you're on your own at the end of the day when it comes to decisions, and that um, I think what you're trying to say is that creatively, if you take in your agent's advice, uh, you'd be in a less comfortable position with your career just because you would have made choices based on the commerce. And opportunities come that allow you to do that, and there's um, there's no. Uh, there 's no one that 's going to say don 't take it especially your agent is going to say don 't take the job um, Very rarely will an agent say don 't do this when there 's money involved because it 's something you know that 's you know and so it 's hard hard for them to um, put your it 's true it 's hard for them to put your career first when if they 're struggling um, and so that's gonna, you know, you've, you've got to be responsible for those choices about it. And if you're, there's kind of too I don't know, maybe help me with this, but there's like, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a question of degree all the time with actors, I reckon. Um, and some are absolutely hardcore and die hard about whatever project and whatever kind of they want to engage in. And then there are kind of uh, easy-go-lucky come go lucky types who, you know, uh, have wound up in a situation whether they were going to give themselves five years to do it and something happened <coughs> and it snowboarding, and something else and then, you know, and, then, and there's... Uh, and my, my kind of observation about it is that, like, um, none of them have made the choice for security none of us make that choice it's not, you know you've chosen a difficult life if you you know and you probably found that out or even me to tell you that but uh, but if you put yourself in the situation that you may have chosen uh, ten years ago because um, I know for me like the option was uh, uh, a farmer follow my dad's footsteps in dairy in the dairy industry or or, 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 like you know, I did my work experience as a, as a civil engineer, and it fucking bored me to tears, like every day. And so I look at myself um, in that life ten years ago, and I think, fuck, it's a small sacrifice, actually. You know, I don't know anybody who like thrives off auditions, right? But when you grasp the when you grasp the freedom that comes from the choice you make every day to go out there and do something that you kind of, you know, really are standing on your feet. Now, I mean, auditions, like, you know, may come and go and stuff, and work may come and go, but the job and the life you've chosen is probably the strongest tool you have moving forward. It's the strongest choice you've mm. made. And, and, it's
0: very brave. And
1: it, it's a brave choice. Mm. It's a noble pursuit. Like, I don't know how many of you, and you would all have different motivations for getting involved. My, my thing was like it'd be great to um, contribute something on some level to people. Like, if people come and see a piece of theatre or watch a piece of television and leave with something, then then uh, like that's that's pretty that's a pretty cool thing to feel. Um, you feel it more often in theatre, but um, uh, but that that uh, you don't you know especially in Australia you don't get a lot of. Um, you know, we're not. We don't lord our artists, You know, we, we don't have a lot of respect for them. Let's be honest. I mean, you always get told, you know, what you do for a real job if, you, if they find out you're, you're interested in performing. So it's thankless too. But uh, like, I think it's you know, it's a um, a responsibility to take on.
0: Yeah. What was the Question. <laughs> Agent's the question was? Agents? Um, I didn't <coughs> No, no, no. You did. You, you, you were great. The, act, the acting process. Let's move on to that because I think you kind of started on that. I guess the thing is, obviously, there's all of that horribleness that comes with auditions and with all of the kind of preamble to getting the role. But once you've got it, so both of you, congratulations! You've both got a role in this scenario. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you feel excited? Do you feel nervous? And are you able, just for the people in the room, what is kind of, what is the beginning of your process? After you've gotten the role, what's, well, what are the steps, first kind of steps that you take after you're in the
2: wonderful... Well, process? I feel like an actor's job is two jobs. One is getting a job. Sure. And that is a, that is a, a real job. And it's, it's it, it occupies entirely different headspace, entirely different energies than actually acting. I mean, it's a kind of acting, because you're pretending to enjoy your <laughs> life. Um, but, but but once once you get the job <laughs> right. yeah. that's that's actually fucking Oscar Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but once I get the job it depends on the job. I used to uh, initially when I started I would be very much about research and being a very um, good actor. Yeah. And a good student and stuff that I, habits that I learned from drama school and doing a lot of research and as time goes by that, that I always I found I over time the amount of energy I was putting in research, search. You the not have to in terms of what I was doing. And less and less would I even pay attention to my... I mean, I'd read my scripts, but I wouldn't like... I'd stop, you know, going with the days of highlighting mm-hmm. them, or making notes and Just making Just your name. your character's name. Exactly. <laughs> um, not anymore. Uh, not. No, 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 no. You
0: learn
2: from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I found... Mm-hmm. My point is that I found over time, it was it was dependent on the project, This is yeah, how my process would go. So it would all come from the script, Um, and how engaged I was. I mean, basically... I mean, with an audition, for instance, I know I've probably done a decent audition if the world of the fictional thing, the scene, is stronger in my mind than the world of the actual audition room. Which, if you've done an audition, you know it's fucking horrible. And there's these overhead lights, and there's people who are there just reading the lines. And so if I'm all switched on to the reality of this audition and my mind and my everything else that follows from that is probably not really fooling anybody. Um, But in a job, I'll just do everything I can to try and bolster this reality that I've got to do.
0: On that as well, what would you, we've got a direct quote from you here. (laughs) You may or may not have said this. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there a difference between Preparing for comedy and drama, which I want to know from both of you. But, um, Patrick, with your role in Upper Middle Bogan, which was wonderful. Thank you. You have said the comic rhythms are really important on Upper Middle Bogan. That's why it is so challenging. You've got to be able to spin on a 10 cent piece. Yeah. A, did you say that? Uh,
2: Roughly (laughs) that, roughly that. Yeah. yeah, for, for that, to get, again, it's job to job. So with that job, with Up the Middle Bogan, again, uh, Wayne Hope and Robin Butler, who are the writer, director, creators, they have a really specific comic style, which is that front foot, very, um, it's, it's almost frenetic. It's, And I love it. Uh, but it's a certain kind of comic. It's, it's almost, if you push it too far, if you, if you forget to ground it in some sort of truth, it becomes madcap, it becomes Amy. And I don't like that. I like it when it's grounded in truth and you get, a, you get a turn because it's surprising, because it comes from something real in the character. But they are, and Wayne, particularly because he's the director, he'll always be about front foot. And, and so it requires that energy and I enjoy that. But that's particular to that job. Um, for another comedy, a Moody Christmas, not that at all. It's very naturalistic and, it's, and, it's, and that character is informed by that rhythm for me. For my playback character in that, in that thing, he was like a really kind of laid-back guy and enough up in a boat, he's a tense, nervous guy. So that's where the comic rhythm informs that. And to answer earlier really question, there's not really a difference in terms of drama and comedy in terms of preparation. It's always about being truthful to whatever's written. So as, as long as the writing's any good, you've got a chance of doing a good job.
0: Yeah. Don, do you feel the same as that?
1: Yeah, what Patrick said, I think there's no difference you know, it's, it's, if, uh, if a moment's untruthful, it's um, yeah. not going to be dramatic, it's not going to be funny, you know, it's just... Um, yeah. And I haven't done a lot of comedy. You um,
0: were funny in Offspring. Are you supposed to
1: be? I thought it was... Uh, drama. I don't know. I,
0: it was, now, I don't know, is it a, a comedy? I mean, hey.
1: yeah. Look, here's the thing, like, if a drama's good, you'll laugh. Yeah, and if a comedy's great, you'll we'll cry too. You know, so there's
0: um, I don't know. It's a very
1: blurred line, isn't it? I mean, it's It's a very blurred line. What mm-hmm. I say about my experience in comedy? I did um, stand on pictures with, uh, um, yeah, yeah with, Rob Richard, Carton, with, with with Rob, Rob, Rob Carton. Rob That's really the only taste of comedy that I've. Um, cause I can't think that any has <clears throat> you know. There's a broad kind of you know sitcom-y sort of thing. You know, it's funny. I've never, man, I've uh, read for a couple of sitcoms. And um, it's another fucking world. It's just another world. In you know, like, America. Yeah. Multicamble I mean, really You know, like nah. yeah. So, and if you're not in that world, like, you, you know, you just stick out so, so much. Mm. And um, uh, so, I, you know, it was always the response after auditions and stuff was always like, just a little more energy, man. I just can't see the character there it's just can we just give it 10 more percent you know and i'm like,
0: like no, that's that was all i <laughs> got man like <laughs> I'm fucking screaming
1: <laughs> you've got me like a monkey jumping hoop. like I, I feel so uncomfortable actually i did some rake no that's true i did ah. some rake Wit rakes are kind of kind fun of. yeah. so his thing for you know peter duncan is like every <laughs> every <laughs> day you could go a little further man i'm like don't think that's okay, it's not possible, I don't really think that that broad is what you He's know. like, have you seen the show, man? I'm like, no, no, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, well, we're headed in a good direction, but it just feels like pulling teeth, you know, so um, I think for those who are capable of it, it's like a joyride, man, you're jumping from, you know, stone to stone, you know, along the, the shoreline, and like, I don't think I can cope with that. You know, I'm very. Um, uh, I'm a. I'm a big. Um, you know, fortune is fortune favors the prepared uh, fan. You know,
2: like I, I I I like. Is that your process? You
1: big prep guy. I, I, I like I like prep, and I like having like a plan A B C D E F, and um. And so when um. You know, I was listening to a uh um a podcast where. Um, Denzel Washington was talking about working with um, Gene.
0: Hackman.
1: you know a- Denzel? And I know Gene, Denzel. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't know any of these people. But um, it struck me that he was like, you know, Gene Hackman's the best guy I've ever worked. i just, and so many actors say this. I don't know how many of you guys listen to interviews with him, but he's he's a very private guy. But I mean, um, every now and then he talks about his process. And Gene, you know. Um, Everyone just everyone says it. But people say this is about Denzel too, so I don't know how much of this rubbed off on each other. But they, they, they just have this thing about never doing the same thing again. And that can really fucking rub me the wrong way. Like people that just never stick the book, never, you know. But they it's not that they don't stick to the page, it's You mean in a scene. Like yeah. doing take up the tape. Yeah, like never we're, the same we're thing. in the scene. But they just mm. j- yeah. just cannot do deliver the same uh, cadence they can't uh, hit the same words that just everything comes out in the most honest way. Mm. And so every moment is lived in a different way and they just can't, you know, which I find really, that's incredibly impressive.
0: There was a, an article that um, John Cleese, there was an interview with John Cleese, and it was him talking about working with Robin Williams, um, and he said it was, one of the most frustrating so i'm never yeah. in my life working with that man again not because i don't think he's a genius but because my process is meticulous and i'm a perfectionist and i need abc exactly what you said i need abc to, i spent four years doing faulty towers i did 12 episodes i'm not fucking around that that's robin comes in there and he's like ah, whatever i'm just throwing it out but that's just the, those two people not having yeah which you come up against all the time in scenes. Think about how many times you've done scenes with people where you're like, "Honestly, I have no idea what the f you're doing. Yeah. This is terrible." Yeah, but that's the given circumstance. That's okay. Yeah. That's
2: because uh, oh, ultimately, like the more, the more I the more I work and the more I write as well, yeah, uh, the less respect I have for the written word mm. because for TV, and that is uh, not to say that the written word doesn't matter, it's, it, it's, it's vitally important. Obviously, the words matter, and the story matters, and without any kind scenes. But so often, what is, uh, so often I've worked, and, and the written word is given precedence over what is happening between me and the other actor, mm. and the fact that we're in a cramped space, and so that shit doesn't really make so much yeah, sense, yeah. you know. The audience does not have a script with them, So I think it's fuck what's written, they're, they're responding to what's, what they're receiving on screen. And what they're receiving is to do with what's between the actors, what's happening in space, and the lighting, that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, the more I go, the more I, I, will, I, will, uh, I will kind of uh, support creative tension between me and the director or the writer or someone, if they're insisting on something which I don't think is working. Uh, it feels odd, or it feels... And it's tricky because, you know, I, 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 I had an acting trainer, it was all about transformation, and, bringing yourself to the character, and all that sort of stuff, and that's, that's got its value, but also, um, if, it, if it doesn't have the ring of authenticity- Yeah,
0: it's not working.
2: Then it's not working, that's right. So, yeah. so when you're working with an actor that doesn't have the same process as you, that's part, of your, that's part of what you're given, it's part of what you've got, so you've just got to, got to look after yourself, or try and get something out of them, or, you know, it's- Do you ever fight, Jen. Oh, sorry, Jane. Do, do you ever fight,
1: have you ever fought for a choice to do something um, and then uh, uh, it's interesting. Oh, <laughs> you guys have to watch this. It's a um, it's a round, it's a panel discussion, and um, it's um, it's they took Damien Lewis, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, John Hamm, and uh, I forget who the third one was. Um uh, Damien Lewis, Is it it a round
0: table, it's like a round ra- table. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those yeah. round
1: table discussions. Um, <laughs> And they, all, they asked about this question. It was like, you know, have you ever fought for a line and, you know, uh, do you run into trouble all the time? And, and um, Kiefer who's done, a, like, a, you know, a lot of network TV. like He's, done, you know, he's kind of like a um, he's a veteran of, of, of you know, bad writing. You can tell. He's just been bludgeoned with, like, people going, I can say that and just do it like that. And so he comes to work every day armed mm-hmm. with all these plans about how he's going to go in there and, like, just kicked the door down on writers' rooms and like, guys, you can't fucking say this shit. I, you can write it, you can't fucking say it, it looks terrible, and like, he was like armed with all these defensives, and like, so every day, it's like he's just running into a brick wall, running into yeah. a brick wall. And um, they got around the table, because you know, oh, Bryan Cranston was on it too, and you know, back in John Hamm and Bryan Cranston, you know, it gets to them, you know? and, uh, and they're like, you know, so you, you know, do you clash with the with the writer? John Ham was like, I don't change a word. He's <laughs> like, I have never had to change a word on Men, ever. Like Matthew Weiner writes it, I say it. I never even question it, you know. And like eight seasons of like perfection, you know. Like I mean, so I think you get into a rhythm, like where you where you just like you know. I, I hear this what they're saying, and this is how I interpret it because I I have an identical process to you. Like I read stuff, and I'm like. Well, I'm not going to say that, because it's just, like, I'm not going to say that, but I get your intent as a writer, and I'm going to telegraph that as best as I can, but just just requires a lot of massaging. <laughs> Sorry, but... It...
0: But you're also not doing a Tennessee Williams play. Like, I mean, well, you, it, that's, you, the, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. How much, and, and they always say, how much effort, how much has gone into this script? And mm. if there are spelling mistakes and grammatical grammatical yeah, errors yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the sentence structure is yeah, shit you, you and I'm saying the in, some, yeah, right. yeah, Then yeah, yeah. how much are you actually going to be doing if we're in a cupboard and we're doing a scene and I'm like yelling at you to try and get you to come in, uh, 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 you know because we're in a cramped space as you were saying it's not working this is ridiculous what are we doing let's make this scene work obviously you're going to give respect to Aaron Sorkin's writing the thing you're going to be like okay I'm not going to change a work I mean you may <laughs> i probably you either. probably <laughs> <not. laughs> i <I'm> probably will. <laughs> Okay, you brought up Kate Kate Blanchett before, so paraphrasing here. But Kate Blanchett said when she was talking to Anne Summers that when she's on stage or about to go on stage, one of her techniques is to not think past the next second, the idea being that to stay fresh, etc. So I guess my question before you go on stage, both of you, or before the camera turns on, I feel like actually Don, you would have more of these do you have any kind of superstitions or do you have what what are your what do you what's your moment before because obviously no as, as if you don't i feel like you're you'd be like i'm gonna clean my teeth or something weird <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> count to yeah. 17. um
1: that's a good question because i can't think of any that have um, made their way from job to job so they're, they're usually character... They're
0: caric- job specific. They're
1: job specific, yeah. you know. Um, um, I, worked on a, I worked on a job where I felt like the guy was a, um, a um, uh, who had only recently quit smoking. I just felt like that about him. He had a sort Your of... Your character? Um, yeah. Right. So um, so I felt like he just had a finger f- sort of <laughs> You know, a lot, a lot of people have um, described smoking and you know we all have—we're all addicted to something. But like smoking is apparently not far from flossing, which I'm—I'm I'm a fanatic flosser,
0: um, <laughs> and now my kids oh, are like it's.
1: serious. I get my girls to you know anyway. Uh, so the, the the what's interesting about um about the hand-to-mouth um, compulsive obsessive disorder is uh is that when you when you when you when you do this constantly. You're you're kind of um, alleviating a sort of tension that builds up, and then you need to do this. And there's there's a lot of psych, sort of psychotherapeutic about it. In the oral stage. Jane. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, stuck
0: there. I was yeah. a
1: smoker. So, I, see, I never smoked. So, I, and but I tried desperately. See, like I, I would, um, I used to. When all my friends started, I would like lie in bed with a cigarette in the dust. Try to smoke, then they have to vomit. Like, just, you know, try. Like, we all—I you know, don't know how you to smoke, but like, it's not easy to start smoking. You're fucking bludgeoning yourself to try, and then suddenly it puts you. Right? I don't know. I don't know. In my experience. So, so that was specifically that character, just because he was um, chasing his tail so much. He was someone who just never. And but, um, for example, um, I played a character who wore glasses, and I don't—I don't often get to do that, and so um making sure that they were like clean to the point like they were sterile they had to be sterile on my face like i wouldn't touch them unless they were so i found myself the frames or just just the lens a, whole, a whole if i could see fingerprints on them i would just uh it was awful it was awful i couldn't so i would check <laughs> i would I check i would have check, check man if uh, if i had fingerprints on the the lenses or something like that it just I'd, you know, and, and the thing is, I couldn't put them on because that would I mean putting. Yes, you know, so I had, had um. So, so I had wardrobe come with uh, cloth and like. Put them on, yeah. Yeah. Here
0: we are. And some people are
1: much weirder than that. Uh... Yeah.
0: yeah, I was going to say okay. So um, I don't. I, I've worked with both of you, and sometimes you know when you come across actors who are method, more method than any of us. Um. How do you deal, how do you deal with that? How do you, I mean, we've spoken about like coming up against people who have different methods in a scene, mm. but when, um, when people are really, really going for methods. Nuts.
2: No. I've never really had proper, proper method, uh, methods. heads.
0: Mess heads. <laughs> you, don't, um, you don't call them
2: methods. Uh <laughs> We can start though. We <laughs> um, <laughs> can sure,
0: never, that's I've that's
2: never good. had anyone really, really do that, but to each their own, you know. To each their own. Fuck, whatever you do. As long as you don't get it, you don't it. fuck with my stuff. Like, you know, I heard this, you know, the guy who played the Joker in the last fucking superhero movie was like sending, you know, dead pigs. Uh, Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Yeah, he, he was going, I'm the Joker, I'm going to send you used condoms and stuff to your trailer. it's like, what the fuck, mate? Let's see it in your performance. Don't do that. That's annoying.
0: No, no, I (laughs) don't. No, use condoms. No, use condoms. condoms Don't send them to people unless you're going to use them in the
1: performance. Yeah, I think think that's what we're taking. Have you worked? i would second that. I've not really worked with methods, but I have worked with people who, who um, I think actors are pretty like pretty private people. Generally, I think actors actually kind of don't like talking about themselves much and and, um, are kind of shy people. Like. A lot, a lot of I
2: don't know. I think
0: you're. I think some. I I agree with you. Some. I've met some some who
1: are very, very. Some of the, some of the ones that I've enjoyed working with are very um, shy people. Anyway, um, there's a unspoken thing on set, or in, you know, on stage, where I think you know where you don't. you can do what you want, but if it upsets or or, or detracts from someone else's performance, then you're actually An not else. telling the story. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, not yeah. servicing the story anymore, and yeah. and that becomes and that's where like there's a fine line between keeping a um, protective relationship with a character and a sort of vanity or, or when the e- the ego sort of eclipses the character, and and um and so there are actors I think that abuse that because it's. It's an unspoken thing, it's just something that we go, okay, you know. Mm. It's a bit like surfing and dropping in on someone. Like, no one ever says, don't do it, but if you do it, it's like all hell breaks loose. And, it, and there's a lot of Chinese whispers among the, you know, cast, isn't it? There? There's always Chinese whispers, and there's always a lot of people who won't say it to you. Mm. they take that away and go, he stepped on my line, he, uh, you know, uh, um, he he, um, upstaged me. Did whatever.
0: He was eating the whole time. In the yeah,
1: stage. he did, and, and made that choice for his, you know, for the character, not for the story. And so I agree that when you know, I'm I'm so up for anybody. Like I, you know, um, especially when it comes to emotion, when an actor you can feel as prepared as whatever, but on the on the moment, you know, at eight o'clock at night, or when, mm-hmm. you know, when uh, you know when it, when you, when the, when cameras turn over, like people need I think actors need to feel like any 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 choice they make and any method they require you know um, has to be allowed you know whatever whatever it is that you need to do because because like Patrick said no one sees what's on the page and no one knows what happened before the take and so if you need to do whatever it is to find yeah. a place then yeah. do it I just think yeah. and I'm up for supporting whatever that is but when it takes a liberty or a freedom from someone and when it's detracting to the point where, like, you've got an emotional scene at the end of the day, so for the, for the whole day, you're, you're like, insufferable. <coughs> I find that, you know, that's unprofessional, I find. I find that unprofessional, like, we're, you know. Well,
0: sensual. it's not generous. You're not being generous. You're not respecting that this person is going through that. I'm going to be there for you. It's, it should be about support, really. And, and kindness and generosity to another person in the scene you've got to do your emotional thing at the end and i've got to do mine at the beginning of the day let's be there for each other mm, exactly
1: you know? exactly you're not taking it on board the needs of others when you um when you demand a certain tension or a, a certain uh unease or, or or like you know it's like it it's so sensitive that that i think the environment the atmosphere on set and if it's not clean, and, and like people feel uh, comfortable expressing that and doing what they want, then like it just affects everyone, Like from yeah. the runner to the, you know, the focus puller to the you know, stage manager. Everyone is affected by the smallest things, and so, remaining professional about that I think is highly respected.
2: By the same token, <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was something uh, that um, I learned a few years ago, was that, that ultimately the most important thing when doing a job on TV or film is what ends up on camera. Like that's where you're there from, you're not there to make friends, you're not there to uh, have a great time, all those sorts of things are secondary to what ends up on camera. Um, and, 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 and that can be helpful if stuff like, oh, um, uh, my character inhabits Habits and Emotional Space, so I'll withdraw and do that, or I'm gonna talk an accent all day, or something that's a bit fucking kooky. Um, you should feel free to be able to do those things so that you can give your best whatever you need to give the camera. But the yeah, the darker side of that is that people have, take liberties to be to be selfish. Um, so ideally you want to work on something that uh, not only is a good uh, show or a piece of whatever it is, but also a good experience. But they're two quite separate things. The experience and the product uh, are often tied, well they are, they're separate things.
0: Yeah, the experience can't take place it's over product. No. you can't really
2: because... Ideally you want to surround yourself with good people so the experience is good. You talk about Shandong Pictures and Rob Carlton was was all about let's have a great time together and working currently on Glitch with Emma Freeman she's like I'll only hire people (laughs) that I have a good time with you know that we can have a good professional time with. Um, And you walk the same with the first season
0: his policy is I don't hire and he uses a very bad work. Expressive, Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, right yeah. Saying,
1: yeah. yeah but, we, but you know, you all know people who are um, selfish that continue to work. And so there is a, yeah. You know, it's an odd, odd industry to find. Yeah. Because it seems like in any other one that wouldn't be the case. But I guess nothing is kind of immune to it. It's just that no. it's odd when you come across someone who you feel like has learnt bad habits that continues to work because it seems
2: like it's after the experience, Because to... that behaviour doesn't it as as that so does get rewarded. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. more so in, in the states as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. They go, oh, yeah. they're they're difficult. They must be. They must have something. You know, they're, they're not being polite. Oh boy, I just...
1: Well, there aren't really as many pathways to the profession that uh, um, as we have. Like I, I was surprised to learn how few people go to drum school. In, yeah. the, in the US, they generally, uh, someone told them at high school um, that they had a gift, or that they, you know, or they found themselves interested in it, and then pursued quite private sort of uh, you know methods. Usually, coming you know, working their way up to a guru kind of teacher, uh, and then keeping them if they continue to work. And then there's there's a very sort of our camp versus your camp um, thing. Uh, in Australia, it seems to me that you earn your stripes a little bit more yeah. in uh, the theatre or uh, at drama school and um, out well, of yeah. curiosity, how many people have been to drama school here? Is it, is, is it an overwhelming majority or is there a few people that haven't been to drama uh-huh. school? Yeah, very interesting, I mean, you know, when I went to drama school, I don't know your, your situation, but there were you know, probably, we um, started with like 45, 50 people and Thirteen people graduated, and and um, and, and where was uh, that? At, at, at it doesn't exist anymore. It was at, at um, in Penrith, north north, uh, north east of city, uh, west of city. Anyway, um, when we came out, I just you know it's '98, and uh, uh, this is around the period that um, Patrick was talking about, where there just wasn't a lot happening in TV, and, and let's face it, like TV is kind of bread and butter for actors, because theatre has become less and less subsidised and less and less attended, and, and films around that period were kind of obsolete too. I think we are seeing a bit of a resurgence with TV and film in this country, which is just the most exciting thing ever, but uh, uh, at the really time... Film, really? You think film? I think, I think we'll start to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of great films are coming out, and, and um, the fact that we even have an industry is kind of... Uh, yeah, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's anyway. incredible. because if you it's think like about the rest of the world... Yeah. I mean, the US doesn't have much of an industry these days. It's like days. winning a gold it's medal. It's kind TV. of like,
0: it's amazing that we do it.
1: It is, I reckon. It's about anything. like 12 people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We win gold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, exactly yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: It's exactly the same. <laughs> um, so we Okay. Um, we're doing acting doing can be stressful. Uh, how do you deal with disappointment? Patrick, how do you deal with failure? <laughs> yeah. uh, I
2: don't it's time. all right. It's okay. It's going to be all right. How does anyone deal with it, uh, uh, I, don't have, I don't have a... I guess Patrick's diet is a disappointment. I don't mean, even uh, <laughs> do do that. <laughs> that. Actually, I just I sort of... It. I myself, write a book. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just you, you suck it up. You have to, you, to decide whether you continue okay. doing the thing you want to know. Better
0: question, better question.
2: Or, over in the States, there is something that I call growing your Hollywood skin. Which is just like it's a different, it's a, it's because I went over there thinking, and I've been there you know a little bit over the last few years thinking, oh, I grew up watching American TV and I understand American culture and you sort of, sort of, <laughs> it's like Bizarro world. It's like yeah, you're Superman, but you've got a more angular face. Like you say something, it's fucking weird. They they say things and they mean it, but they also mean something else. There's generally speaking, they say, oh, you never have a bad meeting, and that's true in my experience. Um, but they're professional meetings takers over there. They take meetings all fucking day long. Someone go, me- you know what? You are an amazing actor. And you go, that's pretty good. And then they're saying the same thing to the next person. Uh, they mean it when they say it. You know what, I think it's because they have a dating culture in the States. Like they date people. We don't have that. Like you see people who go after you like me, I don't know, I'm gonna say what I think. Whereas over there, they're always trying to kick you out.
0: No, never say what you think. On the book. Okay? Don't say what you
2: think over there. Well, I think say what you think, but just but just but just know that who you're dealing with, you know, just don't don't change, don't become a pretend person, but but just know that when they say things, they don't necessarily they're not necessarily gonna follow through on things. I had a big I had a big uh, about a year ago, this meeting, this two-hour thing, this writer-director of this film and this great part and she was like, yeah, we kind of knew each other through someone else, between O'Donnell. And I was like, great, she's great. She really likes to put the part. I like the script, it's great. And it was really candid talk. And she was from Canada. And I'm like, well, it's outsiders. How we, it's Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it is. Hey, how does this work? Like, I'm not going to bring any money to the... No one's going to come see this film for me. No, no one knows me here in America. And she's like, no, I know, blah, blah, blah. It couldn't have gone better. And I came out of this meeting going, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Called my manager said, this looks like it's going to happen. And he went. No, that role is already on offer to someone else. It's been on offer, they're waiting for this other guy, it's been on offer for a couple of weeks. And it blew my brain.
0: Just a bunch of BS.
2: Well, yeah, she was, she, but the thing is, she did like me for the part. She would loved me to do it, but there's investors, there's whatever, blah, blah, blah. So she, ne- she wanted to keep me on the hook in case this other person fell away. But the thing is, she never told me that, and I gave her ample opportunity to tell me that. Um, so it was a big learning uh, curve in terms of, uh, another layer of Hollywood skin grew on that day. And I like, okay, never believe it till it's actually happening. And Annie Maynard the other day posted this thing on Instagram. She was reading Amy Poehler's book. Yesterday. Oh yeah,
0: I saw that. It was incredible. Yeah. And I remember reading that
2: book. It, it's, she said, you know, it's, like, be more um, ambivalent about your career. You said the shitty, shitty, it was a shitty boyfriend shitty your boyfriend. career is a shitty boyfriend he's not going to marry you he's not going to introduce <clears throat> friends no not going to pay for dinner like until things are going well and you know that's that's your career which is not to be confused with your passion your passion is like this old lovely latino woman who hugs you and laughs a lot and she wants you to do well like that's your passion that's a thing that you you're interested in doing and make the distinction between your career and the thing that you love to do, because your career is very important. You need to do it to procreate, I guess. You're gonna follow that analogy. But have a, with a, have a loose grip. I've always You don't always
0: need to thought, do it with a bad guy. You, know, you don't have to.
2: But there's a lot of bad guys out there. there so, are. So, um, just have a loose grip on your career. <laughs> I suppose that is how I deal with disappointment. I just go, fuck, I, what can I learn from that? That's pretty shit. Uh, next, do I keep doing this? Yeah, I do, so find, find a way to do it.
0: Don.
1: Disappointment. Um, no? Another one?
0: If you'd like disappointment, go with disappointment.
1: Go disappointment. Yeah. Um, I think that one, the times when I've felt most disappointed wasn't when I've missed out on roles, although it was always because um, uh, of having missed out through an audition. But I think I've been most disappointed at not delivering what I set out to do um, before I went in the room. So it's usually through an audition process. but. Um, it's never, it's never about kind of missing out on the role if I feel like I've delivered what I wanted to do, mm. so there's a sort of, like, actually just said something great, which is have a loose grip on it and I think being loose about the whole thing is probably some of the best advice you could you could give because being attached to any of it, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, uh, whether it's um, a role or a story or a um, or a theatre that you'd love to work on, in, uh, is, is, is kind of dangerous just in, just in terms of what I said before, like none of us got into this for security and there's absolutely none in it. So learning that early on is, is a great defence against disappointment because really all you have is the work you put in before you go in the room or before you go on stage, and that's it, like that's all there is to glean from this. Whatever it is you set out to do. Um, the, the, uh, the real kind of, um, the, the actual concrete, uh, what you take away won't be recognition or, or money or status or any of that stuff. If the work you've done inspires you or makes you feel like you've, uh, you know, if you've kicked the goal inside on something, then I don't. I feel like you. Def- I feel like you're kind of bulletproof. Because um, kind of like whether you get a job or not, too hard a uh, X factor to determine. It's not. It's it's such a random thing that anybody's, mm, It really fucking is. It's really like a miracle that someone gets a job these days. And so um, having any faith in the process of getting one is, is futile on that. On that. Level.
2: But that's not to say that doesn't confuse with putting your heart and your energy and your focus into getting the job and wanting the job and that sort of stuff. It's just when you attach it to your self worth. Yeah, it's whether you're, it lo- you're losing it getting it or
1: not makes you kind of better or not. Yes, yeah. is the dangerous thing, I think.
0: And and I think the difficult thing is is separating that self worth from the th- you know because if if. Somebody's casting animals, for instance, and they want, and the casting people have decided, we definitely want a beagle. We've decided we want a beagle. That's what we're going for. We want a beagle. We love beagles. Beagles are our thing. And then all of a sudden, you've got boxes and all of these, and poodles and all of these things coming in, and you guys are not beagles in this thing. And they're like, God, oh, they're good. It's a great poodle. Just but not it, it's not a beagle. Just, you know no. what I mean? Where's not, Jane Harper? Where's Jane Harper? <laughs> Next question. See what also um, is
2: a disappointment. I had a bitterly disappointing experience in LA where I didn't get this thing I was very close to, and my partner put on Bat's Life by Frank Sinatra. Uh. I cannot recommend it more highly. Oh that's oh, great. That's yeah, really darkest yeah. moment. <laughs> put on Bat's Life by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I
1: reckon can I say something too? Just that just that that's a great that's a great uh, tool. I don't know, that's a great um, it's a great thing that you've chosen uh, a life in art and there will be a piece of art that touched you yeah. prior to that decision. And that piece of art is probably going to uh, replenish that desire, that love, that, you know, the romance that you had with art uh, time and time again. This is time and time again. And there are pieces of theatre that if I, if, I'm, if I'm disconnected with work, which I guarantee just happens because there's a financial... There's a commercial impetus and sometimes taking a job which isn't creatively satisfying is just what needs to happen. And so um, there isn't a there is and that's really demoralising. And so attaching yourself back to where it was that you sort of first entered into that <laughs> you know relationship with art is, is like could be something that's like absolutely been my saviour.
0: Yeah,
1: Mary Poppins is what usually Mary Poppins, called. yeah. Mary Poppins or um Kind music, or
0: They're all, yeah, yeah. Lot, yeah. Um, what would be, what would be yours, Patrick? What moment in time do you have where you were completely, in, or the romance was there in that art uh, for you that you kind of come back to?
2: I tell you, I went for a long time. Where I kept watching School of Rock. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's such a joy. Such a <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I often fall back into watching uh, The Office. First and Seize the Drop. Us. I just... Ricky, you, 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 you kind of... I know, I, know. Australia's I know.
1: Ricky Gervais. Oh, so no, 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 I don't know. No, no, but I'm just saying. You're, you're Australia's
0: you. Ricky Gervais and we're recording this. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I send it to uh, my... As
1: far as comic genius goes, I think. Hey,
0: come on. You're a comic genius.
2: Oh, God. It's not for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's nice to say. We've said it.
2: Next question.
0: The next question. Diversity. <clears> hmm. <throat> Donald, um, you worked on SBS's East West 101, what a great show. Yes. Uh, It was seen as an example of diversity on screen, there's a lot to talk about diversity, but do you see any signs of that, that this this is, do you think there's a lot of kind of token gestures going going on, but do you think um, that we're at a point where there's uh, real cultural changes happening? what do you think? It's still. I mean, but this is twofold. I think there's diversity. Has also, I also think it's important for uh, for women as well. This conversation. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of skipped women, actually. Yeah, I think then we kind of went. Let's be really diverse. Oh shit, we skipped yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, Absolutely agree. Um, yeah. But here we are talking about diversity. Let's talk about it amongst men. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Sure.
0: Um, but to, yeah, go.
1: No, it's a great point you brought up because um, uh, I mentioned that you know, there were like sixteen people in my class, and I graduated, and thirteen of them were women. And um, I think the majority of people in the room are women. I think just by looking, but uh, there is a uh, completely hypocritical and unfair. Um, There's there's a circumstance that you guys are walking into, which is um, uh, which is um, which is which you need to know about, which is that you know uh, a lot of scripts are written um, with without um, that pay no no attention to that, and there's no um, uh, there, there are always. And I don't know why this is, but it's a biological thing. I don't know, but women uh, and ha- having daughters now, I, maybe I can kind of see that uh, forms of communication early on develop much quicker. And women uh, have, I feel, have um, a, ha- have learned a kind of uh, gift quicker. And there's a very, it's a very, it's an incredibly competitive environment for women under 35 there's just it's just the reality because fewer roles are written for those girls i mean more and more are getting written but uh 35 plus forget it it's like it it just seems to be like a um an, an um an unfair advantage that men have over women uh in that age group that if you sort of stacked together the last uh 10 oscar winners um uh, the females versus the men. The men are significantly older. It's just, I mean, you know, Eddie Redmayne's probably not a great example, but uh, they, they generally speaking, men kind of in their 40s start to kind of understand themselves and understand a kind of home uh, story, you know, and, and a lot of men, not until they're much older. So, but women, I think, have a very a unique kind of ability to sort of understand themselves, which makes them uh, ready for work much earlier and there just is fewer. There just seems to be fewer, um, unfair, unfairly so. There seems to be fewer opportunities. And so, um, I, going back to your question, which, um, you know, we've overlooked uh, women. At, you know, for the sake of kind of addressing diversity, I think we talk about diversity way too much. Like, I, I think with the show that you brought up, East West, like we just never considered it a, uh, a show about. That it's had a, a good perspective. Show.
0: Yeah.
1: It was just, you know, it was storytelling, and it happened to be that a lot of the sources that informed the telling of the story and the writing uh, had ethnic, you know, had, were, were uh, new new Australians. Was that a, you know, better story for that? I don't think so. And I think that, like, uh, a much pressing, much more pressing issue is the um, the way women are, are dealt with, it, the way they're paid, the way they're uh, represented in the world, and I think these, this huge conservative push, which, is, which we're all kind of feeling, uh, you know, ever since, um, ever since, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, it's not it's not kind of, I don't think that's a, um, uh, I think all that's done is expose the truth about the way things have been for years. Like, I don't think that that's, uh, I'm, I had a conversation with my mum yesterday where she was saying, I don't think that the election of a conservative government in the US means that I mean because the industry is always skewed left so you assume that more material comes up as a result you know there's a lot of people are going well this is great and you know you look at the talk shows and they are uh, like saturated there's, there's so much material like every time you listen to an American talk show that's all they're talking about because so much yeah. material and so you know how that translates into what we do maybe maybe a different story she's like oh, I think it's, I think that could dry things up like, people are too scared to kind of tell a story like East West 101 which Maybe may have been ahead of its time. I don't know if you could pitch a story like that and get it off the, you know, get it up on the air now. Cause, I
0: agree. Because I
1: think that show kind of, like, is relevant now, but it, I don't think anybody's interested in telling it because, like, who wants a Muslim hero on screen these days? I mean, the Americans bought it when they made it. I, I mean, you know, but, but they're too scared to make it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's I blame it. them for it, but it's just the way, you know, because commerce speaks before art does in in most of the forms we're talking about. And it always has.
2: It always has. Yeah. Shakespeare wrote for his sponsors and right. nothing will ever change in that respect. we we'll need money to make stuff that people see and listen to. Uh, diversity uh, gets me pretty down in the current political climate. Um, I'm fine, I'm a white male, I'm 40, I'm fine. Um, but we live in an increasingly, it seems, officially at least, racist country uh, and that, I don't know what to do about that, you know. I mean, fuck, in offspring, Zara is Serbian, no? Serbian. Serbian. I speak Serbian. Right, that's network TV. I, 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 I was in a show years ago called The Alice, and I was Italian. I was Italian, yeah. and I mean, Matt Marioni was my name. Fuck
0: but, yeah. But because we're brunette. Yeah, because, absolutely. Cause, because as brunettes, and I know this, I can play any ethnicity. But you can. I, I, I have I'm always, like, yeah. French, Italian, Serbian, yeah. Croatian, everything like, under the... I know, I know, I know, right? because I'm not blonde. It's great. I yeah. it's yeah.
2: great. Yeah. It's funny. A couple of years after the Alice, I was in a, in a show that everyone's put really on, called Canal Road, Channel 9. Oh, I was Steve, you? your name? Greek? <laughs> Greek? <laughs> right, right. What the fuck? Like, that's network TV. That is, that is network TV, because... And it's kind of changing out because there's so many platforms and streaming stuff, you know, there's a lot of content. So no longer does the show exist in terms of uh, long-form narrative drama or comedy that appeals to everyone from 18 to 72, because that's what the networks have been trying to make all years. There is a demographic I think still exists. It's 18 to 49. The fuck are those people? Are common. Oh, You're all alive. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, so, so look, a little by deal, and you've basically just got to—you've just got to actually. The answer is you've got to make stuff. Be, yeah. If you if you have any propensity for writing producing, you know make stuff be content makers. Uh, I know that's yeah. been a big thing for me, and I'm I'm always working on it. And it's really helping me more and more, and, and actually giving me a lot of satisfaction. Acting, I love it. It's my first love, but waiting for the findering is a very disempowering uh, experience. So I write and uh, try and get things made. But if you but you know I,
0: make it. Yeah, make it on that it. on that Patrick. I have a question. So. Of your of your day, if you're not if you're acting, yeah. sure you're on set you've got to do that. But if you're not acting, you've got to wake up. How? What time, kind of time do you dedicate to writing? What time do you dedicate to acting?
2: I'm very bad with uh, time management, and uh, being a freelance person is actually one of the hardest gigs I think. Waking up and facing the horror of having to construct my day is um, <clears throat> the lazy man's curse. Uh, I don't know, what, what do you do? I mean, I, I, it's not like I'm not fucking like Bryce Courtney and go sit down at eight and don't get away from typewriter until you're fine. Like, I can't do that. Um, I don't use typewriter, obviously.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: but, but. Bryce does No, he doesn't, far He Bye. does A real writer would.
0: But smart as that. A
2: real writer would. Um, so I just do what I can when I can and, and just hope that by the end of the day I've done something constructive. I make lists and try and tick things off. But it's, it's actually very difficult for me uh, just knowing what to do with my day when I'm not, when I don't have a job that somebody's asking me to do, but I'm trying to make my own work, I find that's the hardest thing. And you get on jags of inspiration, but really writing is two percent pain, inspiration pain. and ninety-eight percent, you know, not be, not being on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that's end. Now <laughs> no, it's the
0: end. Thank you so much. Thank you. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.